Hi, it's Connor Svensson here, founder and CEO of Web3 Labs, and this is your weekend blockchain on Monday, the 13th of September 2021. The highlights this week include El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as its legal tender, the SEC is threatening to sue Coinbase, the NFL bans crypto advertising and NFT sales, the Interwork Alliance merges with the Global Blockchain Business Council, FTX's NFT platform launches, and Sotheby's has a $24 million NFT auction close. El Salvador this week has now adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. What this means is that the currency needs to be accepted everywhere throughout the nation, including for people paying taxes or buying goods at stores, buying property or land, or whatever else. It's, it's been somewhat mixed, the response globally in terms of this, this move forward. Of course, people who are big proponents of Bitcoin see it as a you know, huge move forward. However, the International Monetary Fund and other financial organisations do see it as quite a risky thing for the, the nation to have actually done. And more broadly, many are looking at it as, as a bit of an experiment as to whether a nation can actually succeed with this. And of course, the downside there is the risk of the, the, the Salvadorian people. In terms of the actual, um, you know, them, them turning it on though as well, there were some pains with it initially. So first of all, um, the... The president, uh, Nayib Bukele, uh, announced that they'd purchased 200 Bitcoin in order to coincide with the actual uh, adopting it as a legal, it's legal tender and purchased about 400 Bitcoin for its reserves. And uh, the, the price of Bitcoin went from you know over 50,000 and then dropped down 10%. And people have said about you know, the implications in terms of the treasury that uh, El Salvador has as a result of that. But of course, we all know that cryptocurrencies are incredibly volatile. And so this 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 sort of uh, you know this up and down is to be expected. Uh, however, long term though, given the de the deflationary measures that sort of exist within the Bitcoin protocol, there is of course the potential for it to be a, a more sound uh, store of value than some of the other more volatile currencies. Of course, previously though, El Salvador was actually using US dollars as its as its main currency. So that's right now anyway certainly a lot more stable than uh, Bitcoin in terms of the the, the pricing. But so uh, longer term certainly a lot of uh, um, Bitcoin holders would see it otherwise. What they actually did, though, was that uh, they, they released a official Bitcoin wallet, the government there, called the Chivo wallet. The intent there was that people who actually had the wallet would get $30 worth of Bitcoin as well in order to encourage them to actually start paying, playing with the currency. But then what, what a number of people did anyway was that they actually took their 30 Bitcoin and um, converted it back into US dollars in order to get the cash out from banks. So didn't necessarily have the success that people that they wanted um, and also you know, certain places as well just weren't set up in time in order to accept Bitcoin as a payment such as some of the supermarket chains as well there so you know all, all being said it's just been relatively smooth this initial take up but of course there, there are going to be teething problems with, with something like this and uh, so far though it's um, you know I guess the experiment has started uh, so to speak there off the back of this though as well we've had other jurisdictions actually start to provide more crypto friendly legislation legislation too with Panama has created a crypto regulation bill which basically means that it's you know supportive of blockchain and crypto assets there as well and this was partly influenced by what happened in El Salvador we've also had Ukraine as well uh, say that they're looking to grant crypto orientated companies and exchanges freedoms to operate in the country there as well and um, there's been ambiguity over the legality of digital assets in, in Ukraine for, for a significant amount of time and so 
you know these these other nations starting to you know think more in terms of embracing crypto it's, it's quite interesting how it's come off the back of uh, the you know the El Salvador announcements there uh, other news uh, the SEC is threatening to sue Coinbase over their high interest crypto products so Coinbase has planned to launch a new product called Coinbase Lend which in- enables people to earn uh, 4% interest on their USDC stablecoin holdings on the platform really you can see this as a bridge between the DeFi ecosystem being provided by Coinbase. The, the numbers where using the DeFi ecosystem and some of the other platforms out there, people can actually earn yields as high as 12% for the stablecoin USDC, which is obviously a lot better than what you could get with a bank account. However, with um, Coinbase uh, creating a product to actually offer this service, it, it just opens up the ecosystem to a lot more people. And whilst the, the 4% return is not great by DeFi standards, it's still a lot better than what most bank accounts are offering at the moment. However, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, has warned that it's, it will sue Coinbase if it moves forward with a plan to offer this product. Coinbase have expressed quite a lot of frustration about this because they're trying to be sort of as transparent as possible and work with the regulators you know, where they can to, to get the right support. And they, they feel that they're getting kind of mixed messages from the SEC on all of this. So um, yeah, their actual CEO, Brian Armstrong, actually lashed out on Twitter for that exact reason. And so it's, it's certainly not a path that the, the Coinbase, of course, wants to go down. They're generally playing along well with regulators, like we've spoken recently about them working with the Japanese regulator, for instance, to you know get the relevant blessings they need in Japan. They're obviously very well established in a number of other jurisdictions, including the US and, and Europe. So uh, it, it, it'll, it'll be one to watch to see how it plays out. But certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's a good move by Coinbase to be trying to do this because it opens up the DeFi ecosystem to more everyday folk who are actually using the platform there. Visa have announced that they're planning to provide crypto services to a number of traditional Brazilian banks. What they want to do is provide cryptocurrency services to traditional banking systems in the near future. Apparently, they're working with a number of cryptocurrency businesses in Brazil to create crypto payment cards. There's speculation that they'll um, be direct integration with uh, Bitcoin payments. So they're looking at doing this as an API-based approach and um, some of the firms that they're working with there includes Rowbank, Alterbank and Ripio. So again, you know, great for the market over there in terms of just you know, opening up the opportunity of using crypto for more and more people in the in the region. The NFL National Football League in the US has banned teams from crypto advertisements and NFT sales. They've said that they want to have this ban in place until the NFL League establishes a strategy for sports and digital trading cards and art. So they've actually barred all teams and members from crypto-related sponsorships and adverts. And so compared with some of the other sporting leagues where you're seeing you know, crypto and NFTs and so on really embraced, such as in the National Basketball Association with like you know, the Dapper Labs and the Top Shots, we've also had FTX uh, working with the, the National Baseball Association they're providing sponsorship to and also some f- football clubs to um, you know, playing uh, their actual staff in crypto so it'll be fascinating to see how it pans out but you know one would expect that the NFL will be you know, crypto friendly longer term just because there's the opportunity for a lot of sponsorship funds for them there. In enterprise news uh, consensus alongside another number of other firms have been shortlisted to develop central bank digital currencies for the monetary authority of Singapore which is the central bank over there. The monetary authority uh, 
Authority of Singapore have been you know, very crypto friendly in terms of putting regulations in back place back in 2017 and actually started working on a CDBC version of the Singapore dollar using blockchain technology back in 2018. And so there's a number of different companies that have been selected for this, including Consensus. But of course, it's a you know, great step forward for the regulator there and also the companies that are involved in this. A new study by uh, Research Dive has projected that uh, the IT market is going to be worth uh, just shy of $6 billion by 2026. Sorry, the blockchain IoT market uh, to, to, to be worth that. They believe that there's going to be a compound annual growth rate of 91.5% from 2018, which is when the, the market was actually valued at $32 million. The thing that's driving this is that there's a, you know, a, a lot of acknowledgement that IoT devices and blockchain can help improve a lot of the supply chain efficiency and remove a number of the intermediaries there as well. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's great to see these sorts of numbers coming out to actually uh, you know, see where pe people really believe the market is actually going there. Certainly from our own experience, we know that a lot of uh, telecoms companies and so on are you know, embracing blockchain for IoT initiatives. And so it certainly seems feasible anyway that we're going to see a lot more growth in this over the coming years. Mastercard, they've acquired the crypto analytics firm CypherTrace. So CypherTrace is basically, it's, it's a crypto tracking firm. And what, what they do is they focus on anti-money laundering, forensics and blockchain threat intelligence scenarios. Uh, and so MasterCard have acquired them in, in order to actually you know, bring their offer to MasterCard's businesses to help them identify and understand risks and uh, support them in their asset regulatory and compliance obligations. Also, in terms of blockchain, the world's blockchain standards, there's been another big announcement this week with the Interwork Alliance uh, merging with the Global Blockchain Business Council. So the Interwork Alliance launched just over 12 months ago, uh, being driven by the token taxonomy framework, which came out of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. And the intent here is to provide a framework for organizations to adopt tokenized assets and create business-focused standards for this rather than technical-focused standards. Uh, however, as many people recognize that there's a number of different standards and industry organizations here. And so it's, it was natural for these two different organizations to come together to provide greater to reach for you know what the Interwork Alliance was doing, but also provide some technical specification foundations for the Global Blockchain Business uh, Council. So this industry organization now has, I think it's over 350 members, so it's a great step forward. And some analytics that have been published this week, apparently there's now $1 billion locked up in Ethereum layer two scaling solutions. The, the actual different protocols that are making use of these, the top of the list, you have the DYDX protocol, which has $285 million locked. And then there's a number of different types of roll-ups, which is the scaling technology that's used for this, including Optimistic, Plasma, Validium, and ZK, which are actually, with ZK roll-ups, making up just over 500 million of, of that. The Polygon, the Layer 2 scaling platform, has integrated the MENA protocol into their, their platform. And so this is to actually provide a privacy on the Polygon platform. But what's fascinating about MENA protocol is that it's a very lightweight smart contracts platform. Uh, and is actually being pitched as the world's smallest blockchain. And to actually conceptualize this, apparently their blockchain is just a few kilobytes.
gigabytes in size versus the over 300 gigabytes that the Ethereum network is as well. So the intent here is that it will make it more accessible. People can use you know, much lower power devices such as, a, say, a smartphone to actually run a full node on the MENA network. The reason for this apparently is because it's making heavy use of zero-knowledge proofs. Uh, in effect, with zero-knowledge proofs, you use them to store um, proofs that uh, some, you know, some, some inputs actually that you have visibility of create a certain result rather than the underlying data there as well. Uh, certainly, you know, if, if it succeeds with scaling significantly uh, on, on top of the this layer two network, you know, one does wonder how much we will see it grow. But again, it's, it's great to see actual you know, privacy technology going on to Polygon. A project called Eden, which is a priority transaction network for Ethereum, has raised 17.4 million in a token sale. And so this is to protect against something called minor extractable value and arbitrary transaction reordering. You know, what's so important here is this, uh, within the public blockchain networks, this idea of minor extractable value is that you have these different, you have your different miners and so on on the network and certain transactions, uh, people find ways to arbitrage them so they can basically front run them so they get executed before other transactions take place in order to make a profit. So an example, for instance, if you're using a decentralized exchange and you have a big position that you're looking to do a you know, swap of on Uniswap, you can have someone who actually sees you send that transaction into the Ethereum network, but then someone figures out, well, if they, if they, if they actually send in a transaction where they're willing to pay a greater amount to actually see it executed, they can actually get their ex their transaction to happen sooner and actually you know potentially make a profit off that trade there. And so it's 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 a fascinating technology, and it's great to see an actual company or protocol coming out there to address this this very real problem that happens with the network. And it's it's kind of reflected by who the investors were here as well, which include Jump Capital, Alameda Research, uh, Wintermute, and these these are all uh, the companies that are quite closely associated with trading and in some cases like jump capital and winter meet high frequency trading as well so it's a again like a, you know, a fun fun one to see there uh, Cardano, it's uh, launching their, their smart contracts on their public test nets uh, well, today at the time of recording, which is Sunday. And so this is going to be uh, this much anticipated upgrade that a number of people have been waiting for, and it's going to make it publicly available as well. And so this, this upgrade's called Alonzo, uh, and this is this technology has been in development for years, so it, it'll be one to a big milestone for them, and also we'll see, see, see what the reaction is by developers uh, over the coming weeks. In the DeFi news, we've seen Wanchain and Avalanche uh, work together to create a decentralized cross-chain interoperability. So what they've done is uh, the Avalanche have integrated Wanchain's cross-chain infrastructure with Avalanche's C-chain, and they're looking to develop a truly decentralized cross-chain applications to help uh, power DeFi. Seeing these two companies coming together is, is certainly you know, positive news. With you know, Wanchain have been working on interoperability for a number of years as well. They're well-established. And of course, Avalanche too being an Another one of the up-and-coming uh, public blockchain networks that we're seeing there. Chain Analysis—they've uh, uh, published a report uh, looking at DeFi that's basically said that during Q2 of 20, this year, 2021, that institutional investors have actually dominated the DeFi scene. They haven't actually released this report publicly, but the, what they saw was large institutional transactions, which are those above $10 million USD, accounted for over 60% of DeFi transactions in Q2 
2 compared with under 50% for all cryptocurrency ones. Uh, so it, it's quite fascinating to see this because, of course, we know DeFi is very popular, but the fact that the transaction size is so great that you know people are really throwing around very significant amounts of money here. Uh, you know, when you're looking at the public Ethereum network, given how expensive gas is to actually execute on top of it, yeah, one could argue that it makes sense for the transaction value to be pretty significant for you know, transaction fees that run into the hundreds of dollars to you know, be for investors to be willing to you know, absorb them. But at the same time, it's not like it's, it's a very straightforward ecosystem for people to engage with. There are tools that certainly make it simpler, but the fact that so much of this is coming from institutional is, is something of a surprise. So again, um, you know, fa- fascinating yes, that to, to be released there. The DeFi hub Akala has raised six, just over $60 million before their smart contract launch. And so we've spoken about the uh, Akala bef- um, platform before. They're based on Polkadot. They actually raised this from over 26,000 community members worldwide. Uh, the, the intent, though, is that these funds, although they're with the Akala's foundation right now, they will go to a DAO, or Decentralized Autonomous Organization, to manage it, to become self-sustainable. This is something that we, we see happening with, with most projects. The Akala ecosystem, though, is key for helping build up the DeFi ecosystem on Polkadot because they, they provide like a smart contract language there as well. So again, it's a big milestone for them to be moving forward, and especially with that amount of funding, they'll be able to achieve a lot. On this notion of funding, Algorand have also announced that They've got a $300 million fund now to attract uh, people who actually want to build out DeFi on top of the Algorand ecosystem. And these will be paid in, in Algorand tokens. But again, you know, every, almost every week we're talking about uh, another protocol that's released the developer fund there. So there's, there's so much money floating around for, for teams that you know, have ideas to build on top of these platforms. In the, the world of NFTs, the OpenSea uh, platform, which is where we're seeing the you know, majority of NFT transactions taking place, they traded $3.4 billion uh, in August, according to a report. Uh, the actual sales in July were $325 million. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge amount of growth. And this is typically, previously anyway, it, the digital assets that were being traded there were mainly sports, digital art, or in-game assets. Um, but now a lot of the transactions are coming from uh, avatar-like NFTs who are hoping to emulate crypto punks uh, and generative art um, that's created by Algorithm algorithms and then uh, loot as well. FTX, uh, they've launched their NFT minting platform. The actual founder of FTX Exchange, Sam Bankman-Freud, he sold his test NFT for a whopping $270,000. So that happened this week. And the the actual, the NFTs on the platform will be built cross-chain on Solana and Ethereum, according to Bankman. At this point in time, the withdrawals of these will actually open up in a couple of weeks, but deposits are available. Um, And this is in part to take on OpenSea and Rarible, who the the leading platforms for sell, selling and exchanging NFTs, and given you know how how widely used the FTX exchanges, they're, they're definitely one to watch in this space to see how they go. However, there was actually as you know an in, an interesting quirk that happened too, in that uh, initially they create allowed people to create the NFTs on the platform for free, and uh, you know, people decided to start spamming the marketplace with uh, fish NFTs, and so they actually had to add a, a charge to people who wanted to create. NFTs on the platform, which was $500 because of this spamming of uh, you know, p- p- pictures of fish on the actual exchange there. Uh, sorry, on, on, the, on the platform there. Uh, they've now reduced these fees down to $10 and everyone who uh, actually had to pay the $500 will be refunded. But uh, it's uh, an interesting uh, twist in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the tale there. So there's been some fun 
trends that have been coming out with crypto gaming as well, where basically some projects recently uh, have actually started creating characters or NFT assets and so on that could, could potentially be used in games um, and just releasing them to the wild uh, without actually a game or any environment for actually using them built yet. And so this is something that uh, is you know, somewhat experimental and has been referred by uh, one person as Dungeons and Degens. These are the words of uh, Dom Hoffman, who announced this project Loot uh, recently. And it was basically where he released randomized adventurer gear, where there was limited to only 6,000 of them. And then people were able to claim this adventurer gear um, as long as they paid the transaction fees and they were they were all, um, they were all snapped up. But the, the, you know, the final funny thing is is that there's not an actual game or a platform to play these with it's just that here's someone who's released a load of nfts they've obviously got reach so that people you know bought into it and then you know people have, have spent a lot of money then actually trading them in secondary markets as well and the intent is that people will come along and actually build a game off the back of it uh, in the in the coming months or years and so um you know where it goes who knows but it's, it's definitely an interesting twist and loot is uh, has kind of been you know being one of the pioneers for this and it, it's really caught on in terms of the monetary value. The the cheapest price for any piece of loot is uh, around fifty thousand dollars, and there was a sale for just shy of a million for a single one of these these bags. So it, it is going bonkers out there. Uh, we've also seen uh, the N project as well, which is NFTs of random numbers, which is related to this, which has hit a forty million dollar market cap. Uh, thinking about loot where you actually have some sort of you know, thing that's related to like a role-playing game in there and in this end project it's literally just numbers and uh They've, uh, they've they've managed to achieve you know in, in just three days after launch the average selling price for an NFT in the collection is over four and a half thousand dollars. So again, maybe somewhat bonkers, but also fascinating to see because it's you know people are trying out new things here and seeing where it goes. There's another NFT that was released this week, Lobby Lobsters, which uh, raised more than four million in an hour, and this is to support DeFi lobbying efforts. And so these are NFTs with cartoon lobsters in suits and. And the intent here is that these uh, these NFTs will be used to you know, benefit a non-profit focused on policy issues facing cryptocurrencies. A Russian state uh, Hermitage has raised 440000 using a Binance NFT auction. So this is a museum over there, which is the largest museum in the world. Uh, they've done their first auction on, on Binance's NFT platform, selling five tokenized collectibles depicting masterpieces from artists like Vinci and Van Gogh. It's something that was, you know, it was it was snapped up uh, with people paying in Binance's USD for this, and the, the highest bid went to one that uh, went for 150,000 Binance USD there. And the intent here is that all the funds will, will go to the museum. Apparently, no surprises. The global interest in NFTs has soared by 426% in a month. Uh, this is coming from the blockchain center's analysis of Google Trends, and so you know, they're basically looking at Google searches and. So in at the beginning of August, uh, the searches for how to buy an NFT was ranked number 19. But by August the 29th, it rose to 100. Uh, and so 100 is basically the um, you know the search interest. And so 100 is, is as high as it can go. So again, no big surprises. But again, it just reinforces just how much interest there is in NFTs at the moment. Also this week, there was a bug in OpenSea, uh, which destroyed $100,000 worth of NFTs, including a historical ENF. S name. This was 
was raised by Nick Johnson, one of the Ethereum name service developer, and he was trying to transfer an ENS name that he had on the account and it actually went to a burn address. So, you know, um, fortunately, there weren't too many people affected by it. But again, it, it talks to the, you know, the problems that can happen here because you know, it's not possible to get these things back when they've been burnt on a blockchain. One of the other big pieces of news was Sotheby's Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT auction has actually y- yielded $24 million. And so this was for a lot of 101 of these Bored Ape Yacht Club NFTs. It's, it's certainly gone ahead of expectations where Sotheby's thought it was going to be between 15 and 18 million. And this works out to be 240,000 per Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT. So again, just you know, more reinforcing all the mania that's going on. Um, Pancake Swap have announced that they're going to be launching an NFT marketplace and a Pancake Squad NFT collection. Pancake Swap, uh, they're one of the you know, popular DeFi venues on Binance's smart chain. And so um, you know, it's no, no, no big surprises there that they want to kind of jump in on the NFT craze as well. And so again, it'll be another one to watch just because of the reach that the Binance smart chain has um, but, you know, with regards to DeFi. And it's certainly got a lot of traction because of the cheap fees that they offered. But I think what's slightly different now with NFTs is that we're seeing a lot of different venues offering NFTs. Whereas when PancakeSwap spun up originally, there wasn't really too many other things venues for these these DeFi platforms um, apart from sort of sushi swap and uniswap so it might be that they're getting slightly late to a crowded market who knows we shall see over the coming weeks here the Aave founder Stani Kulichov he sold an NFT called Ye- Yield for just over well 1.15 million or 350 ETH to an anonymous bidder but it's this time again he's in, embedded a social experiment into it so the idea here is that the holder of the NFT has a dilemma there they've either got to hold on to the NFT to see if you know and basically speculate on it and then sell on to someone else or they're allowed to return it to him by the 31st of October and receive all of their funds back plus 10% of the value of the NFT or 10 ETH or which, whichever is cheaper so you know, again just you know, the, the social experiments that are happening here are fascinating um, and you know with, 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 with each week that goes by people seem to be coming up with new stuff and finally Solana they've uh, had their first million dollar NFT sale and this is for its degenerate ape this was purchased by a blockchain advisory firm moonrock capital and uh, they 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 purchased it for 1.1 million the ape is apparently the 13th rarest in the in the collection solana in the last few weeks has been getting a lot of popularity just because of the transaction volumes it can handle and has been sort of moving up the list as we spoke previously about in terms of the the largest cryptocurrencies by market cap so again it's just a it's another milestone that they've uh, been able to hit here with this NFT sale. In terms of the the, the metrics, the crypto market cap, we're down uh, 7.4% this week to 2.12 trillion. Assets locked in DeFi is down 11.5% to 87.21 billion. Seven-day NFT sales are down 70% to 170. 1 million um, with an average price down 18%, just under $6,500. That's all we have for this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. Reviews are always well received as well. Links to all items discussed are available in the show notes and at our website, weekinblockchain.com. We've also just launched a new podcast, Blockchain Innovators, where I speak to individuals who've made significant contributions to the blockchain ecosystems. Find out what inspires these innovators, get their thoughts on the latest industry news and events, and crypto blockchain protocols, DeFi, NFTs, DAOs, and IoT. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.